When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into today's edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined in the studio today by Casey Keller. We'll start with the big news coming out of Spain. Carlo Ancelotti has put pen to paper on a new contract at Real Madrid, which will see him there until 2026. Why is this a big deal? Because we all assumed he'd be going to Brazil at the end of the season. Front page of Ass says Brazil can wait. This is a big surprise to wake up to this morning as we welcome in Frank Leboeuf. But first, heartbroken at Christmas as well. Gustavo Hoffman is with us. Ancelotti will not be your man, Gustavo. How angry are the Brazilians? Hello there, everybody. Well, Brazil now is a, in a very a hard situation because everybody was expecting that Carlo Ancelotti would be the Brazilian manager for from 2024 on, at least to the World Cup. And now Brazil doesn't have a head coach doesn't have a president at CBF, the Brazilian Football Confederation. And I'm sure that this point that Brazil is now living a, a huge mess administration, it was a decisive point for Carlo Ancelotti because, yes, CBF and Carlo Ancelotti were talking. The Brazilian Federation had some improvement from Ancelotti that he could be the head coach. But after the Brazilian... Uh, President of Feder of CBF was second by a Kurt earlier this month. I think that everybody was very clear for Carlo Ancelotti that he should remain as Real Madrid head coach. He has agreed extension, two more seasons. He's living a dream here in Madrid. He ha he's having a brilliant season ahead of Real Madrid. It's the best beginning of season uh, for Real Madrid with Carlo Ancelotti ever. So I think that was a an easy decision for Carlo Ancelotti. And now Brazil will have to look for a manager because... The president, who's now active president, is an interim president, uh, uh, Perdiz. And also the Brazilian head coach now is also interim, Fernando Diniz. So we really don't know what's going to be <laughs> of the Brazilian national team next year. What a life it is to be Carlo Ancelotti as Julian Laurent joins us. Talk about holding the perfect hand, Jules. You can do what you like. You've got Brazil flirting with you. You've got Real Madrid as well. How much is he used that to his advantage signing this new contract from Real Madrid? What do we understand? What did maybe insist would happen? I, don't, I really don't think Carlo used, used that in any way. I think he was very clear from the beginning that he could discuss with the Brazilian Federation, that I think he was really interested into the job, but that he still had a year left on his contract at Real Madrid. And I think he was always very open and transparent with, with Brazil by saying, listen, if Real Madrid want to keep me and I feel like staying a little bit longer, then I could also start being on it. That's why we said with Gus, we had him on the show with Gab, it was never a good idea anywhere from the Brazilian Federation to be so obsessed with Carlo because there was a point where it was Carlo or, or no one, really. They were so convinced he was going to join. And, and it's just, this is not how you, how you deal with the, such a big team as well. Maybe if it was a smaller country, okay, you could, I, I guess, try to get Carlo. But you can't let Chichi go like this. And then after that, just hope for Carlo Ancelotti to at some point say, yes, you're not really sure. You don't really plan for anything else. You don't have a plan B, like Gus just said. Fernando Diniz is not really a plan B. He's a, he's a head coach in another club. So it was always going to be a bad idea for them. And for Carlo, it was always going to go where he felt the best, really. And right now, it's pretty clear that stay at Real Madrid is the best option for him. Uh, so, Gustavo, what are they going to do? Who are they going to get? The problem now is Brazilian Football Federation doesn't have a president. The, act, the president <laughs> active now is an interim president because Edinaldo Rodriguez, who was the guy who was talking to Carlo Ancelotti, as I told you, was second by a Kurt. So now Brazil will probably, probably, we are not sure about it, but will probably have new elections for CBF this January. After that, after the CBF decides who's going to be the president, this new president will have to decide who's going to be the new head coach. So 
now we're almost in 2024 we really don't know what it's going to be of the brazilian national team next year obviously if angelotti took over gus it would be a case of that him being the first non-brazilian to be in charge of the international side is that still a possibility could we still see a foreigner come in yes for sure for sure well as i told you we don't have any signs of what is going to happen but we have the feeling of the fans for example and one of the names that the fans in brazil most like is jose mourinho he's a name of for, for, for the brazilian fans brazilian friends really enjoy the idea of having jose mourinho this is not a possibility that cbf is thinking right now I'm just saying that the fans in Brazil would like to have Jose Mourinho. Another possibility, one uh, foreign coach who's working in Brazil, Abel Ferreira, another Portuguese coach for, for Palmeiras, the coach who, have, who has won the most title, more, more titles than any other in the Brazilian football last, in the over, over the last year. So Abel Ferreira is another possibility. And of course, that Fernando Diniz can leave Fluminense and be the main football uh, head coach of Brazil. What a soap opera Mourinho would be, Jules, eh? <laughs> that would be incredible. I mean, I sign everywhere he wants. I, I can fly him over there if he wants to. This would, be, <laughs> this would be amazing. And obviously, we know that right now Mourinho is out of contract in June and it doesn't really look like Roma are ready to offer him a new deal. They haven't even discussed it. He, I think, would like to stay. But if Roma said, listen, we, want, we don't want you anymore and we mm. want to go a different direction, then he will be on the market. And surely, I mean, again, if you look at it, who would not want to be the, the Brazil coach? For mm. Carlo, it's different because there was Real Madrid there, he's there. Like Gus said, it's the best ever season under him. So far, there's Jude Bellingham, there's all those new players, young players coming through. They're probably Kylian Mbappe in the summer as well. So it makes a lot of sense. But apart from Carlo, who else who is free or has a job not as big as Brazil, and there's not that many, would not be interested? So for me, Jose Mourinho, of course, would be interested, especially if Roma don't extend his deal, which is the most likely as we're talking right now. But there'd be others. And he, I think the Portuguese coach who've had a big impact in the Brazilian league, of course, people like Jorge Jesus, like Ferreira, we just mentioned, I think also because of the language, could make a lot of sense if you're the Brazilian interim president of the federation. Meanwhile, for Carlo Ancelotti, will he get a nice new centre-back as a signing-on bonus, Jules? What are his options? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. And again, in the discussions to renew his contract, to extend his contract, he made it clear that at least in January he needs... It's not just that he wants to, he needs a centre-back. Yeah. And I'm sure he, he watched the show when Stevie mentioned Thiago Silva. I'm not sure if Thiago Silva really right now, unfortunately for Stevie, is at the top of the list. But certainly from a Rafael Varane to a Rafa Marin to Ignacio, there's a few options there, I think, for Real Madrid to be able to go and, and satisfy what Carlo wants. How difficult is it, Frank, for any of these players, certainly when you take a look, look at the younger ones in particular, to be parachuted into a Real Madrid side where expectations are so high? It is hard, and it's why for me there is only one solution, taking somebody who originally knows, knows the house. And Rafael is the, is the real man. I mean, he uh, should be the right man. Well, the only problem is uh, the amount of injuries he's going through, and he's been through, mm. it's gone through, and that's, uh, that could be the main problem. But otherwise... And he plays for Manchester you know, United, that's also a problem, who... Frank, isn't it? He's, a, he's another club, yeah, he's not but, just wandering no, the streets. The only, well, he does... Well, he doesn't really play. I mean, I mean, he's been, he's been uh, on the bench uh, sometimes. You know, uh, Ten Hag showed to the world that uh, he preferred Maguire to Rafael Varane. So there's maybe a time for Rafael Varane to, uh, to, to, to say to, uh, to Ten Hag what he thinks. And if there, there is another possibility for him to express and, uh, and enjoy the, the end of his career and go back to... Uh, to uh, where he was one of the stars and where he won all his, uh, his silverware. It's a good opportunity and he knows the house. Everybody should be happy if he doesn't get any, uh, any injury. But uh, yeah, I only see one guy, Thiago Silva. I'm sorry, uh, you can have any, uh, some problems uh, very soon. And the, and, the, and the other players are too young and too inexperienced to, uh, to go for that. And, and also because it's not going to last long. It has to be. It has to be somebody who is ready mm. to help as an interim as well. And uh, 
and uh, and and after leave his place to uh, to the players who used to play and uh, just came back from injury. Has Varane got any legs? Has this story got any legs, Jules? Yeah, I think, listen, he knows the place so well, obviously. He left because he just wanted a, a new adventure in his career, something different for him and his family. And I don't think he could have anticipate what happened for him at Manchester United and how bad everything has been, really. But, but Real Madrid feels very much like home, like, like Lens, where he started, you know, in France, is a little bit. But Real Madrid is even more like home for him. So he, he could do a really good job for six months, there's no doubt. I think he can stay six months without any injuries. I think the way that Real Madrid are playing, and I think we mentioned it the other day when we were so much in Chagosino, I think if you have Rudiger next to Varane, Rudiger can do a lot of the running and, and Rafa can do a lot of the anticipation, the reading of the game, the positioning right, and the Rudiger-Varane partnership can actually work really well too. So for me, it does, I agree with Frank, he makes a lot of sense. But however, we go back to that discussion, do you go for someone like him yeah. that won't cost you much in terms of a fee for the transfer, for example, but you're going to get six months out and then this is it? Or do you plan a little bit more for the future and you go for someone younger with all the, the kind of negative or the risk that, that has with it and you spend a bit more money on someone like Ignacio, for example, who is a wonderful prospect at sporting, might not just be ready yet, but will be, uh, and he's already a really good defender. What would you do, Case, if you're in charge of Real Madrid? Well, I think if you could get a loan deal for Varane, you got, you got to do that instantly because then you have you – know, you, I, I read some things where they were talking about trying to structure it very similar to what they did with Kepa. Yep. To get him in on that short term to cover and then see if it makes sense to go full-time or in the summer say, you know what, we got some guys coming back from injury. Let's go spend some money on somebody long-term. But right now they need somebody in, and, and I think he makes the most sense being there for as long as he was. Being the guy that they could maybe get in on a short-term deal and a guy that you could throw into that situation where they're, I mean, look, it's not like they've got a 10-point gap at the top of the table. Mm -hmm. They still know they need to have a very good second half of the season to win, to, to win the league. Do you want to trust that to a kid? Yeah. To somebody that you're not sure what's going to happen where you can bring in a guy that, you know, is part of the furniture, right, who'd, who'd been there for so long and could come in and do a very good job for you now. Meanwhile, it's almost the 1st of January 2024, which means on that date, Kylian Mbappe is free to speak to other clubs as his contract winds down. So inevitably, Jules, the question is, what does Carlo Ancelotti signing a new deal mean, if anything, to the future of Mbappe and the possibility of him moving to the Spanish capital? Well, I think it's quite significant, Dan, in the sense that when you're Real Madrid and you are going to talk again to Kylian Mbappé, or you've been talking to Kylian Mbappé, but, but now things are going to get serious, obviously, because Kylian himself will have to decide quite soon if he wants to stay a little bit more in Paris or if he wants to definitely go as a free agent and very likely go to Real Madrid. At least if you're Florentino Perez, you know, or, or, the, or the people around him, you have a coach for next season, which was maybe not the case a few weeks ago because we were not really sure what Carlo would do, if he would stay, if he would leave, to go to Brazil, blah, blah, all of that. At least right now, you can say to Kylian, right, this is the project. We want you for five years, something. You will have Carlo Ancelotti for at least a year, but maybe more. Mm -hmm. You will have those players, those are young. We've extended the contracts of so, 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 and so. We're going to do the same with Cruz, with Modric, you know, whatever they're going to do. But at least one of the maybe slight uncertainties that we had was who's going to be the coach next season. Now they know for sure. And obviously that in those discussions will be very important. Uh, Frank, throughout all of this debacle, this soap opera <laughs> around killing Mbappe, you've always said that he should stay at PSG. Has your mind changed at all? Yeah, a bit, I have to say. I mean, he tried. Uh, I think it was some people would say stubborn and decided to stay and... Uh, and go for the challenge, and I think it was uh, it was nice for him to uh, to believe that something could happen, uh, could have happened to uh, at Paris Saint Germain. But again, this season we see, and we see the limits of Paris Saint Germain. I don't see Paris Saint Germain winning the Champions League this season. Mm. We don't know what's going to happen next season. And as you said, we exactly know what's going to happen for Real Madrid. 
Ancelotti is going to stay. He's going to build something. There is a, a new era. I'm pretty sure he's going to be successful. You're going to be playing for uh, certainly or maybe one of the best team in the world, best club in the world. So there is a challenge. And it's a time for him after being uh, stubborn in a way to try something different to go to another level, because it's another level when you play for Real Madrid. And, um, and, and, and you're not going to be on your own. You know some players uh, like Chouamini, like Mendy, like some others. And you, 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 you're going to be through or uh, in between uh, talented players and you're going to show what you can do. Now, I want to know where Ancelotti is going to put him. Because, again, Vin Vinicius Jr. plays on the left side and we know that Mbappe is the best on the left side. So how's going to be... Uh, settle the team, I don't know, but for sure, for Real Madrid, it's going to be a plus, and it's maybe, maybe the time for, for Kylian to go for another adventure. Who's going to be more disappointed, Jules? The Brazilians not getting Ancelotti, or you having to say au revoir to Mbappe? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'd be disappointed. I mean, I think the Brazilian would be very disappointed. I'd be disappointed. But you know, I'm going to go to Madrid a lot anyway. We have the right. Uh, I can go. Yeah. I can be pitch side. We wait, sit. Wait, we can, wait, you know, wait, we can, wait, wait. So, you haven't done a La Liga since okay. we got the rights. Don't start trying to jump now onto the bandwagon because your mate's gone. No, you'll start with Gab in the studio in Hammersmith and all the normal people will be sat on the sideline. <laughs> I'll me. try anyway. I'll try for yeah. sure. Yeah, I bet you will. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Let's go back to Madrid, because um, Gustavo, away from Real Madrid, of course, Barcelona announced the signing. How, how do I say his name? Let's get this right now. Vitor Hockey. Yep. So Vitor has made the move then to <laughs> Barcelona. Uh, obviously, maybe not a lot of people have seen him play. Uh, how, who would you compare him to? Okay, uh, well, Frank, Frank knows better than anyone, anyone. Frank and Casey know, know better than any, any of us that any comparison isn't, isn't fair for any player. But just for us to understand how the way Vitor Hot play his style, I can compare him to Romario because he's not so tall. He's a center oh. forward. He likes to score goals. He's a very good finisher. He isn't a player. Who's, who's gonna move around the field. He's a finisher and a very good finisher, but a very young player. He's only 18. He's already playing professionally for two years. He started at Cruzeiro, the club where Ronaldo Fenomeno began and who now is the president. Uh, transferred to Atlético Paranaense, played at high level in Brazil, in South America. He's already a Brazilian national team player, but is still a young player. I think that he can, he will arrive in Barcelona and cause, and cause an, an impact immediately. But maybe not for the first 11. I think that Robert Lewandowski now will have mm. to play much better than he's playing this season. And knowing Xavi, Xavi will move... Uh, 
Vitor Roque for the starting team if Lewandowski doesn't play well. So I really think that uh, Vitor Roque now is arriving. We have to adapt it to, to Spain, to to La Liga, but he's ready to play. He's ready to help Barcelona. It's interesting, the whole Lewandowski yeah. conversation is fascinating sure. in Barcelona because he hasn't given them what, what they wanted, right. certainly this season, and he's certainly not the only one. But because it's Lewandowski, he's very much under the spotlight, and now we've got this young pretender coming in who's going to add more pressure. But he's kind of a, a little bit of a different player, yes. obviously, and, and, and has nowhere near the pedigree that Lewandowski has. But also, when you go back to the Bayern Munich days and even the Dortmund days with Lewandowski, there was so much wing play, and that hasn't... That was much better last year for Barcelona than it has been this year. And Lewandowski is not a type of guy that's going to be taking on three or four players and scoring goals. He's, he's, I don't want to say he's dependent on service, but a lot of the games I called Barcelona this year, I've seen Lewandowski in more positions to set up somebody else than somebody else setting him up to score, which is, let's be honest, you don't have the consistency of goal scoring that Lewandowski's had over the last 10 years because you're the one being asked to set up somebody else or that just because of positionally the way the game materializes, you're having to make runs places, collect balls, and then look to find somebody in the position that you really should be in to score. So, but I think what it really helps this Barcelona side is the depth has been not where we're used to seeing for a Barcelona side. And Xavi's talked about that endlessly. We know the financial issues. I have no idea where the 40 million's coming from, where they're going to be able to register <laughs> this player yeah. in their situation. When, when we know before the season even started, it was down to the wire to see who was actually going to be registered for Barcelona. So, look, great young player, cool to see an opportunity to go to Barcelona at a time when being 18 is really important because somehow Barcelona is not out there buying 26, 28-year-olds who are ready to win championships right now. So better opportunity will arise now than it maybe it would have five, ten years ago. Uh, Gustavo, before I let you go, just one more question about another young Brazilian uh, making his move to Europe, Gabriel Moscato, uh, to PSG. How excited should Jules be about him? <laughs> you, your Jews must be excited, should be excited about Gabriel Moscardo. Uh, well, uh, different from, from Vitor Roque, Gabriel Moscardo is also 18 years old, but uh, he's playing at, he has played just his first professional season. So Vitor Roque, uh, even that he has the same age, he has a little bit more experience. Gabriel Moscardo uh, started playing for Corinthians with Vanderlei de Luxemburgo, a former Real Madrid coach, and has just had just for Corinthians, 25 professional matches, one goal, one assist. So uh, PSG and everybody saw at him a very young talent Brazilian boy. But he's he must he must learn a lot. He's, he has he must still learn a lot. Uh, if I can compare him to some some other player, uh, for, because of his style, I could compare him to Declan Rice. He's a very modern midfield. He's a defensive midfield, but he can play box-to-box, -box, very talented. He plays with uh, always looking ahead, very vertical player. I really like Gabriel Moscard, but he has very, very few experience in playing as, as a professional. Hey, not bad. Jules Gustavo says he's better than Declan Rice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I, to be fair, I would have made the same comparison, but not going as far as Gustavo saying that he's the best number six in the world. But, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'll take that. I'll take the best number six in the world for sure. I, I mean, more seriously, I like the signing. Like I like the signing of Lucas Beraldo, who's another Brazilian, young Brazilian, 20-year-old, who's also coming this month to Paris, a centre-back, left-footed. Again, very promising. And I know Luis Enrique wanted another midfielder. However, as much as we can get excited about Moscardo, you wanted more creativity maybe than a six or an eight like he is. And I think PSG need more creativity anyway in the midfield. And certainly, certainly more experience and somebody who could have an impact straight away. I'm not sure if Moscardo can have an impact straight away. I think he will need a bit of time to adapt. There's a long history, of, of a beautiful history between Brazilian players and PSG over the years. 
but he's still only 18, like we said, and, and has hardly, really not even a full season under his belt. So I don't think we can expect too much too soon from him, but he's a wonderful talent for the future. Uh, Gustavo, we'll say thank you very much for joining us. Get ready for this. Feliz Ano Novo. Feliz Ano Novo. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Take Year. Take that word. <laughs> Happy New Year to you, Gustavo. Just a reminder, it's going to be a busy January transfer window as always. Uh, be sure to follow Transfer Talk over on the website. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It's only a little winter break in Spain, isn't it? A mere siesta, really, because it's all back this week. It starts on Tuesday. Three games for you, including Valencia against Villarreal. Wednesday, a couple of great games for you. Real Madrid against Mallorca at the Santiago Bernabeu. And then in Girona, they take on Atleti. What a way to start the year there. And then on Thursday, Barca away against Las Palmas. Breaking news, Arsenal rubbish and can't score goals. 30 shots they had against West Ham. That is the most a Premier League team has attempted in a loss since 2017. They had 77 touches in the opponent's penalty area, of course, not scoring a goal. Their XG was 2.77. It's David Moyes' first win in 73 away matches against Arsenal, United, Chelsea and Liverpool. Here is Mr Arteta. This is football. You look what we happened, what we done in the game, how much we generated in the game, and and to see the result is very disappointing. But they were better than us in both boxes, and they have two shots with the with the penalty three. We have 30. I don't know how many touches in the box, how many situations, how many open goals to score, and uh, we haven't. And in football, you have to to the better you want to win, and today. We haven't won because of that, because for the rest, I think the team kept trying and had an, an incredible attitude again. If the team generates that much and normally is going to win games, and then that's the way we've done it, you know, because as well against Brighton, we generate so much against Liverpool as well. But we score goals in different ways, you know, and uh, we have to make another step in, in that area to win the games uh, more comfortably, that's sure, because today the team deserves to win the game. There's no question about that. Uh, Frank and Jules are still with us. Uh, Jules, how much was that defeat against West Ham an anomaly when it came to the attack, or how much is a concern for Arsenal, and therefore how much are they looking to make a change in January? I was at, I was at the game last night. Uh, I think the answer is a bit of both, really, and it's not us sitting on the fence. I think it's true. They had enough chances. They should have scored. They were... I, I mean, I think Areola was really good in goal for West Ham. They were a bit inefficient um, the Saka chance for example I mean the two Saka mm. chances they had him and then when he hit the post Gabriel's we're not going to go back on through the whole game uh, it was a very low block because when West Ham take the lead especially away from home against a big team this is what usually they do and they, they defend really well really deep but really well you have to give them credit for that they didn't do many passes but they had that but you could also look at it and say yeah you, if you had maybe a, a, a better goal scorer or more of a goal scorer would he have scored a goal in that game? Yes, of course, maybe. But again, 
You take Gabriel Jesus out of this team and you put an Ozyman in, for example. I, I, I get it that Ozyman is a proper finisher, he's a proper number nine. Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel Jesus does a lot of other things that Ozyman doesn't do. Take the Saka header in the first half that Ariola saves well at 1-0 down. The cross comes from Jesus. Ozyman never puts that cross in because Ozyman doesn't drop deeper like Jesus does, doesn't turn, doesn't have the tactical skill, doesn't have that skill set anyway. So it, different, it, it depends what you need. But the, the reality is also that now Arsenal may be looking at the transfer market and who's available, who's not. They can't go and spend another 100 million on a player. This is not possible. Nobody is going to do that in January anyway. Not even City, not Liverpool, not Chelsea. Nobody was going to do that. So even if you wanted those men, right now it's just not possible. So you have to maybe do things differently or just work on your finishing and just hope mm. that Gabriel Jesus, Saka, Martinelli, who Martinelli, by the way, has been underperforming so far this season, are just going to get yeah. better in the second half of the season. Uh, Frank, you're waving at me. <laughs> Yes, because because I, I I was I was watching the game yesterday and we're talking about we talk a lot about Gabriel Jesus not scoring goals. We all, we also talked last game about Zinchenko making silly mistakes and again today uh, um, being in a in a marking position uh, on the second goal on the corner kick, but uh, being involved also on the first goal. It looks like Trippier to uh, nowadays uh, Zinchenko always involved <laughs> in the Arsenal goals, but it's crazy, but. Those two players, Gabriel Jesus and uh, Zichenko, comes from Manchester City. That might be one reason why uh, Gab Guardiola decided to go to get rid of those two players. And I guess it's because he thought that they weren't good enough to play for Manchester City. Even if they are international players, even if they're very good players, Zichenko is tremendous offensively, but we know the lack of of uh, talent, I would say, defensively. And we all know that Gabriel just doesn't score. So the, he should have come to, uh, to Arteta, who also been somebody at Manchester City, that if Guardiola didn't trust Gabriel Jesus and Zichenko enough to stay at Manchester City, that's because there were some issues. And now we see those issues. They signed for Arsenal. They're very good players. No, no way that I'm going to criticize them and think that they're, they're rubbish. Not at all. But we are talking about the top of the top. And this Schenko is proving right now his uh, weaknesses defensively. And Gabriel Jesus is also showing for a little while his weaknesses offensively. So am I, I don't know, knock at the doors at some people, knock at the brain of some people saying that we might have made the wrong choices if we wanted to win the Premier League? Do you agree, Jules? I, I understand Frank's point. I mean, Gabriel Jesus is very easy. Julian Alvarez and Erling Haaland are coming. There's no need for City with Gabriel Jesus on one year left on his contract to keep him. Where are you going to play? You've got Haaland, Alvarez, plus everybody else on the, on the, like, as, a, as a wide players. There's no room there. Arsenal won him because Arteta worked with him at City too. Arteta won that kind of number nine, by the way. He doesn't want a, a, an in and out number nine, a finisher. He wants a number nine like Gabriel Jesus who's going to link up the play, do everything that Gabriel Jesus is doing. So this is simple. For Zinchenko, again, I think he's also his contract was coming to an end. It was close to an end. And also because Arteta, Arteta wanted an inverted fullback and I think for him Zinchenko was the, the, the best one for it. While for Guardiola, I think he had a different view on Zinchenko as an inverted fullback. So I, I can understand Frank's point. I can also understand why Arteta went for them. Are they not good enough for Arsenal? Would they play for City? I'm not so sure. I still think they're both very good players. And even if Zinchenko is going through a more difficult time right now, he's still a very important player for that team. And we saw that in possession against West Ham, where he did a lot of really good things too. What the problem is, Casey, is that you've got your main attacking men all out of form, it seems, mm -hmm, yeah. at the same time. So if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm probably more optimistic than pessimistic because I think, well, this certainly, look at the quality yeah. of these players yeah, for and the sure. return that I'm getting. Surely at some stage they're going to turn it around. But yeah. by the way, we're top of the table at right. Christmas with people and this scoring record. So, so what, I'm, what I've been thinking over the last couple of days, I'm thinking about the Arsenal teams that Frank and I played against. And I'm thinking there's of, of four individuals that if you add them to the town of this team, mm. you think of an Ian Wright. Yep, you old, put him in his case, maybe. But you put him in that prime, in that number nine. Yeah. You put you know, an Anelka.
before he left for Real Madrid and the goal scoring that he had for a couple seasons. Clearly, particularly what Jules mentioned, somebody that's going to drop a little deeper. You put a Dennis Burkamp in that side, and they are favorites to win the title. They're not old people, Casey. They well, can't play. Well, anymore. I'm not saying now. I'm saying you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but this is the but problem. Then, but then like, a Tyrion, they don't have a Tyrion Reed. But as Jules said, they're not going to go out and spend $100 million now. And well, that's what you need, don't you? You need $100 million. Well, they didn't spend – the way that Arsene Wenger was able to bring players mm. in, see something that nobody else saw, give them a little bit of a time to develop – and then become mm. what they became. I mean, that's, that's the, uh, of course, everybody would love to have that record. But it's clearly they're missing that guy they can count on to score 20, 25 goals a season. Now, yes, you have a great group of guys who, but you're still asking them to do something that they haven't consistently done in their careers. You're still waiting for them to become that person. And I, and I know, yeah, it's... It's, it's what's limiting Arsenal right now from being the favourite to win the title. But that ship sailed, isn't it, Jules? As you say, January isn't going to make a big difference for Arsenal Football Club and then winning the league because they're not going to bring in a striker of the quality that Casey's alluding to. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they will be looking like everybody club is going to be looking. It's already quite quiet, the market. We can see that. We talked about the two Brazilian, young Brazilian coming to PSG. We talked about Vitor Roque going to Barca, although that was a deal that was done before. If you look at City, they're going to sign Claudio Echeverri, who again, 17-year-old Argentine, that nobody really knew much in Europe before the Under-17 World Cup. But this is quite slow. This, this is really slow. Even in other countries, it's quite slow. So I think they are watching the market. But yes, we said, if, if you ask Arsenal to upgrade a position, you're already looking at 50, 60 million because you already have really good players. So 60, 70 million in January is not possible and unless they sell, which again, I'm not sure, I'm not sure they will. So it's, you might have to stay with the same squad and just improve individually, collectively, mm. you're going to share the goals. But we knew that at the start of the season. So you're hoping for what? 10 for Harvard, 15 for Jesus maybe, 15 for Saka, 10 or 15 for Martinelli, all that. Which right now, some of them are on course for, like Saka, others like Martinelli, Gabriel Jesus, they're behind. So this is what Arteta has gone to ask to, to work with. It's not, they can still win the title with their squad. It's not, mm. obviously, it's, it's still possible, very much so. But they also know that right now, as we saw against West Ham, if they drop a little bit the level, if they don't take their chances, defensively they still make mistakes at times, it's going to make it more difficult. Yeah, but you're at the halfway point right now of the season, and your leading goal scorer has five goals. Mm -hmm. and, you're, and you're at the top mm -hmm. of the table. So you've done everything you can possibly do at this stage right now to be there. You're, Jesus has three goals. You're going to need one of them or two of them to double that output. Yep. Because we've, we've seen in the past, we've seen what Man City have done in the second half of seasons. We know Liverpool have made tremendous runs to, to win the title. So they have to have a level of improvement between three or four guys to make a difference. You know, Dan, there is, there is for me a big problem with the scouts, you know, I mean, the, play, the, the people who are looking for players, you know, when I see throughout the, 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 the years, the players, the strikers who've been um, coming into the, 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 their prime, like Ozyman, Alil, Openda last year. I mean, we, we also, Openda, if you follow the League One, you see Openda, you see playing, him playing for Lance, and you know that he's going to score goals. And I'm wondering what what Arsenal scouts, Chelsea scouts, Manchester United scouts are doing when I see Openda signing for Leipzig, I think he did, for how much yours, maybe you know better than us. Do you, don't you think it was, yeah, they could afford that guy? You know, how much? 40. 40, so 40. Openda is scoring goals like, I don't know, he's buying baguettes every day, you know, in <laughs> Leipzig. That's crazy. And those big clubs don't see it. They don't see it. Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, the three best clubs in the world, maybe, <laughs> with Real Madrid and some others, and Manchester City. But how come you miss those kind of players? And you are in the middle of the season say, oh, we need to buy a striker because we couldn't find. It's hard to find. Open your eyes, guys. There are some. <laughs> uh, you're going to see the, the striker in Lens, the new striker in Lens. I don't know. I don't have his name. Juice can help us out. 
Daga is going to score goals next season for another club that Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester United will, uh, will miss. I'd like to apologise on behalf of the French for the baguette reference. Um, lazy stereotype there from uh, Frank <laughs> uh, Let's just take a look, shall we, at the title odds overall. Uh, who's going to win the title, Frank? Uh, I still go for Manchester City, uh, especially with Arsenal dropping points at home. Aston Villa, I think they, they might lose it. Um, yeah, I still go for City, even if I see Liverpool being premature. Uh, even when they concede goal, they come back. So, But I still see City better than anybody else. No Salah is going to be a kick in the butt, isn't it, for, for uh, uh, Liverpool, Jules? Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how they replace him, what club does to replace him. You might need to start with a Jugo Jota, for example, on the right-hand side, or Harvey Elliott, and then change because he's got a lot of other options. It'd be interesting, it'd be interesting how far Egypt goes in AFCON too, because he could be missing, if they are in the group stage, you only miss two Premier League matches and then he'd be back. If he goes all the way to the final, for example, that's a whole month. That's, that's obviously far more damaging from a Liverpool point of view, but they certainly have other players that hopefully can step in for them, for him, and, and step up. But it's Mo Salah we're talking about. It's, it's, a big, it's a big blow, but it's a blow that they knew obviously before and that they hopefully for them plan a bit ahead. Uh, if you want to hear more from Jules, uh, don't forget the latest edition of the Gavin Jules podcast is available to listen to now. Be sure to check it out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Action in Italy today. It didn't start particularly well for the neutrals. If you were looking for, you know, those goals, uh, it would be nil-nil between Napoli and Monza. Fiorentina would get the win over Torino. Inter dropping points away against Genoa and Lazio uh, would beat Frosinone by three goals to one. Inter then be disappointed they couldn't capitalise on that early game and stretch their lead over Juventus. But of course, Juve are very much featured in the big game in Italy tomorrow as they host Roma. Gamar Gotti will be joining us on the next edition of the show to reflect on that game, plus some big games in the Premier League. Stevie is back from his holiday. Uh, that is it then. That brings us to the end of today's show. We'll say thank you very much to Casey, but don't go yet, Casey. I'm not Fair going. Or good, okay. because look, we got the French contingent back. Frank and Jules <laughs> with us for extra time. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Thank you very much for all your questions. Casey's here, Frank and Jules. Jules, how was your Christmas, mate? You got young young kids. What was at the top of that list? Yeah, thank you. It was great. Thank you very much. It was chaotic uh, with the three kids. Obviously, very. Uh, one was up really early, like 6:45. It's like go back to bed That's now. Not too Sometimes bad. That's all right, Jules. <laughs> Off he went back. 6.45 on Christmas Day, no, no thanks. So he went back to sleep, fair to him, and then, yeah, they, everybody got spoiled by Santa. It was, it was really lovely, thank you. Oh, beautiful. Everyone got a Philadelphia Eagles t-shirt, I assume? <laughs> from Uncle Gab. Well, I mean, yeah. In, in his dreams from Uncle Gab, you know, yeah. There's no way my kids are wearing that. They got they got Mbappe Real Madrid jerseys and uh, then they yeah. had to yes, they, then Mbappe they had to Real Madrid. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> Believe. Believe. Uh, Frank, would Zidane be a fit as Brazil's national team coach? Yes, he would. He would. Even if I think he's uh, he's waiting for the the French uh, the French one. Yeah, I think Zizou could do very well with the Brazilian national team. I mean, that would be something special as well. I mean, I, I don't know when when I was told that uh, uh, Cap, uh, uh, sorry, uh, the coach um, of Real Madrid, um, Ancelotti. Please, we spent all Ancelotti. the show talking about Mr. him. Ancelotti, yeah, don't worry, Frank. We, do, we, do, we won't go, <laughs> won't go to Brazil. I was kind of frustrated because I wanted to see that. I mean, that would have been uh, something special because he's one of the best coach in the world for the biggest team. Uh, the biggest cl um, country of football, that would have been something special. But seeing Zizou 
uh, head coach of the Brazilian national team should be something special too. So I am, I'm, I'm ready to see that. When will Deschamps leave, Jules? Well, I think after the, the Euros, the contract will right. be up. They might renew his contract. Philippe Diallo might want to keep him until the, uh, the World Cup in the US, Mexico and Canada in 2026. It will be a long time, obviously, because Didier arrived in 2012. So it's already a very long time, more than anybody wow. else in the, the history of the national team. So I think that might be the end, especially if, they, if we win the Euros. I think it would be perfect for Didier to live on that. And then the place is, as Frank said, is hot for for Zidane already, everybody's waiting for him. I think he's waiting for it too. But I would have also loved to see him for Brazil. He's the most non-Brazilian, Brazilian really, because he played football <laughs> like a Brazilian. The language barrier, I think, would have been an issue. But yeah, it would have been great. Frank, then what if he takes over and he's rubbish and you've got to be critical of your mate Zazu? <laughs> Oh, me critical to Zizou? So when? When that, when that happened? You know, are you No, if he takes what, over you know? and you're rubbish, you know World Cup out in the group stages and everyone's having to go at Zidane and you're like, no, it's not his fault. He's a lovely man. <laughs> yeah, he's a lovely man and I will always support him, you know, and uh, you, you, what he's saying is nonsense, you know. I always, <laughs> always been behind Zizou. <laughs> no, no. But you know what? You know what? In 2006, if you remember the the quarterfinal that uh, uh, France won against Brazil uh, with uh, Henri's, uh, Cherry's Henri's goal on the Zidane assist. You had only one Brazilian on the field, and that was Zizou. It was, wow. I think it was the best game that he played. He played for the national team that day. I mean, that's crazy. If you see some highlights, though, that day it was really Brazilian. Yeah, go and watch that game, by the way, on YouTube if you haven't seen it. As Frank says, Zuzu was incredible, even though he thinks he's going to fail as French coach. Coach, uh, as a player, how difficult, <laughs> Frank, how difficult is it to buy into a disciplined defensive strategy such as West Ham yesterday, especially for offensive-minded players such as Bowen, Kudos and Paqueta? It is difficult, especially because those players don't have their, their mindset for that. They, they, they first think offensively, and it's always something difficult for them to switch and, uh, and do the, the, the dark job and, and, the, and the bad one. So uh, they have to force themselves into that tactic. So you have to be very supportive as a defender to make sure that uh, they're going to do the job. And uh, if you get a result like you, you got, that they got against Arsenal, you know, it's, uh, it's very productive for, for the future. You cannot last like that. I mean, we saw so many teams doing that. We, we saw with Tottenham and uh, Conte and Mourinho, after the players, they're fed up. They want to go back to something more, um, let's say, funnier, and, uh, and, uh, and they, 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 they wanted to attack. It's part of our job defensively because we are defenders or, or midfielders defensive midfielders to do that. But for those who are more offensive, it can last a little bit, but not too long. Well, what do you prefer as a keeper, Case? Like, well, well, sort, sort of protect. Well, first of all, one of the primest examples recently has been Joao Felix at Atletico Madrid. Yep. If you go into a Diego Simeone side, you know you're going to have to suffer at some stage working without the ball. Sure. And, and, and the surprise move is going somewhere where you know that's the way they're going to play. Yep. And you thinking that, well, I can change the manager's mind. But look, I, I like it. I think it depends on the scenario. I think as a goalkeeper, I always kind of felt at a time that if we were going to play against a team that we were close in level, then I have no problem saying that I think I can make one more save than the other goalkeeper. Clearly, if. Uh, if, if, if I'm at Leicester City and we're playing against the Arsenals and the Man U's of that time frame, you can't play those teams heads up. You have to have 10 other players on the field that are going to suffer and fight and kick and scratch and do whatever it takes to try to get a result. So yeah, you, you, I think it depends on who you're playing against. You should see Jules on social media about Ariola because he had a good game. Obviously, he's, he's uh, Paris born and bred, isn't he, Jules? When he's stinking, he's just French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not wrong. You're not wrong by saying that. I mean, you know, in the, the, the fantasy football game that we play together, I mean, are you still playing this season or you've, you've given up? I can't see you in the ranking anymore. 
Sometimes, United sometimes you I don't understand your English. Some, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Frank and Casey. <laughs> Frank and Casey. All right, Frank. Have you ever had words? With, have you ever had a? Oh, sorry. I forgot this question. Jules, I'm going to go to you with this one. If Manchester City and Aston Villa were to hypothetically swap managers, with Pep going to Villa and Unai Emery going to City, where would the teams finish this season Oof. in the Premier League table? Wow. Ah, oh, well, that's a great question. Um, I think Pep would succeed anywhere. Really, I really believe that. I think he's one of those, just like a Carlo Ancelotti, even if Carlo at times maybe at Napoli, sometimes at Bayern a little bit, didn't really go out, didn't work out the way he would have wanted. I, I think Pep would succeed anywhere, really. And I think he could take this Villa team to the title. For Unai, we go back to the debate that we've had many times. It's clearly working better for him in not just a smaller club, but in a, in a, in a slightly different environment than the top, top club with high pressure and high expectations. PSG and Arsenal being a good example when Sevilla, Villarreal, and obviously Villa now work really well for him. He put his people in place. He's got all his like really close ally with him, allies with him. There's not the pressure that you could find in a top, top club. So Unai uh, Emery at City, I'm not so sure in that kind of dressing room if that would work out, what he asked, and he, even his own personality, all the, the pressure around the club on him, all the media attention, all of that, which is not exactly the same at Villa because it's just not the same exposure at all. So for Pep at Villa, I've got no doubt. Emery at City, maybe slightly more skeptical. I think we'd all love to see Pep go somewhere you know, let's say, let's you know, go a year back and what Vincent Company did at Burnley. And then now the struggles in, in the Premier League. Yeah. We all, where have we seen Pep? Yeah, what, we, we've seen Pep at, the, at the, one of the best Barcelona teams or one of the best club teams in the history of club football. And then obviously Bayern have had their way with the Bundesliga yeah. for a spell. And then coming to Man City and, and having the budgets that he's had to create Man City into what they have had. Yes, you still have to win. And he's been phenomenal, but I'd love to see him go somewhere, take yeah, a small team, get him promoted, and he's then not do right, Frankie, not, and then see him go. Well, I know it's not Hollywood. Look, go take over Wrexham. That, that, yeah. That's why we're in a show talking about hypotheticals. Hey, no, we're not. We're not. We're, well, you don't have to. You don't have to go to Wrexham. But uh, let's say that we. We give Guardiola Aston Villa or we give Guardiola Brighton. I would love to see how he can achieve something. I think Pep is Champions League. Emery is Europa League. Uh, that's right. how to yeah. define them. And I think Pep Guardiola could do something very good with Brighton. But I want to see it. How he can manage mm. without spending million uh, to, to get the best player. How he can get the dressing room following him. That would be very, very interesting. Well, if there's certain points deductions, who knows? Right, <laughs> uh, Frank and Casey. Frank, have you ever had words with a referee after a match? Yes, and I still have three games banned in Europe because of insulting <laughs> yeah. a ref, you know, after a game. <laughs> you know what? Um, it, it, it was in uh, Zurich with Chelsea, and uh, uh, Roberto Di Matteo got injured, but big one. He had a fracture on his uh, fibular and never played anymore football. And uh, the ref gave, uh, a, uh, I think, a, a free kick for sure against him. And I think a yellow card. And we lost the game. And he also didn't give any uh, some uh, free kicks just five minutes before the end for Gianfranco Zola to score and maybe allow allowing us to, to be qualified. And I got mad after the game. And he made a report, and I got three games. Right? What did you do? Just give us a little bit of context. Them. How mad were you? What were you doing? Oh, I would say you were definitely a French beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was French. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was French. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you know, I, I, I like to stay domestic. Domestic, I like that. I like that. <laughs> the people. Uh, no, I don't think so. You're quite mild-mannered, aren't you? No, no. I mean, I had my moments of having, yeah. you know, uh, conversations with referees, but it never... I don't even think I remember the stadiums where they're 
right. changing rooms were, and it never really, I don't, I don't think it would, I, I, it wasn't in my personality to, to continue it. Right. It was either in the moment and I'm yeah. yelling at somebody about something, but then. It's like Frank, Frank carries a grudge. Correct. Ask yeah. him about Chris Sutton. For That's sure. another grudge yeah. he yeah. carries. You know, yeah. uh, Casey, for years, the US men's national, oh, sorry, I keep missing questions. Jules, what do you think of Yoris coming to MLS in the twilight of his career? Um, I think that's great. I really think he's great. It's great for MLS, for, for LAFC to start with because he's still a very good goalkeeper. He's been training really well. I suppose, okay, he hasn't played this season because he was not really meant to be, to still be there. But the move that he could have had last summer to Lazio, for example, or even back home to Nice just didn't happen for different reasons, not really so much on his side. But he kept really fit, he kept training with, with Postecoglou and the first team. Okay, didn't play and he might be slightly short of match fitness. This is like a, a PowerPoint bit. presentation about yeah, why Hugo Yuri should move to heaven. Goodness yeah. me, Jules. You asking me a question, I'm answering <laughs> to you seriously. Yes, it's great for him, for MLS and for LFC, even if you're not too happy with him, you grumpy old man. No, like his agent. Look at him. He's been brilliant. He's been training very well and trying very hard. Well done, Hugo. Do you like this move, Case? Everything is predicated when a player comes from Europe, their attitude. Right. If if they come to MLS and they treat it with respect, then I think it's a great move. I think if they come in and think well, they're getting what a paid get. vacation. <laughs> oh. What's that, Frankie? That's what you're going to get, Casey. From, from, from uh, Hugo, it's what you're going to get. He's been so professional. I mean, there is one thing well, that you uh, can take uh, from him. It's the example that he's going to show to young players, to young professional MLS players. He's right. going to show them the way to behave and to train and to think football, soccer. Well, and I, I think it's a great... It's a, it's a... Frank, that's exactly so, what... LAFC got from Chiellini is they got that veteran player to come in and do things the right way and to show the young players what it takes to be yep. at that level for so long at that age and everything. And so if they could get the same from a player like Hugo Lloris, perfect. Casey, for years, the U.S. men's national team had you, Friedel, Tim Howard, arguably our best players were our keepers. Do you feel let down by this generation <laughs> of keepers? What are they missing? I, I, I'm not necessarily let down. I think it was just an anomaly. Oh, it's better, isn't it? Let well, people still look at you as the best. Well, but I think you don't want a better goalkeeper coming come on, on, Dan. I think it was just an anomaly, right? I mean, there was at one stage uh, where 20% of the starting goalkeepers in the Premier League were American. Wow. So it was, you know, obviously the, yes. the mentioned Marcus Handeman in there. So so that's not happening again. Right. I'm sorry, it it it, it just happens. There was at one stage where there was three Finnish goalkeepers starting in the Premier League. Right. That's not happening again. So there's these weird situations where it happens. I mean Marcus Handeman right now would have 50 caps right. if he wasn't at, at, at that point in time. So it is. It's, it's, it's frustrating sometimes when you're in an environment where the competition is so great and then at other times where you're like, oh, my God. You sit on the bench and still be number one. Correct. Uh, final question. Frankie, all right, what's going on? Frank's turning into a Bond villain. Oh, yep. I have Lemon coming to say hi to uh, oh. all friends, you know. Hello, Lemon. Yeah, God. Oh, God. Yeah. They look happy. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Frank, what are you and Lemon's plans for, for New Year's? Anything fun? No, well, I'm going to be involved in the play. I have two performances at 6 p.m. and 7.30, so I'm going to go back, come, come back home. All right, 9.30, so we'll have just a tete-a-tete -tete with my lovely wife. And, uh, and we're going to share it with the, the, the dog and the two cats. So, but that's going to be beautiful. That's only going to be the two of us. Oh, what about you, Jules? Are you having a tete-a-tete -tete with? Nah, big party, you know, here. We, we're younger than, than the Lubbuffs, so big party, <laughs> friends, you know, all of them. Oh, wow. Is Gab invited? No, Gab, I think Gab, Gab, Gab loves the tete for New Year's Eve, and that's it. Oh, that's it, with, with himself, in the mirror. Uh, yeah. Casey? <laughs> a mirror, a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Group of friends probably end up, up up at one of the ski resorts looking at some 
dirtbag local band oh. playing, having huh? some. Yeah, it'll oh, should be nice case. Yep. Very good. Yep. I'll be here. Don't worry. What about you, and Dan? What about I'm here. you? I'm, I'm here, and we got the show on Sunday. So then the evening, I think it'll be uh, it'll just be a quiet family evening, Frank. And then we got New Year's Day afterwards. Just professional. Always here. Oh, always put oh, the show first. Oh, That's the way it goes. Right. Wow. I'm just going to be <laughs> writing well love life letters to Hugo Lloris. Come <laughs> 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 to LA and see you. Jill says you're lovely. Uh, that is it. We are done. Thank you very much. As I said, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, some big games uh, right across the board. Stevie Nicol is back from his holiday. Oh, with tales of all the fun and frolics I'm sure he's been up to.